Hello, everyone. Rick Thomas here. Thank you so much for joining me for Life Over Coffee. We are doing Life Over Coffee. So go get your coffee and let's do life. This is the podcast where we talk about all sorts of things pertaining to life and godliness, where you are today and as you are discipling others. I just had a meeting with our church counseling intern. Our church has several interns that come to us uh, each summer for about 10 weeks, and they they intern on different disciplines. It, it could be administration, it could be preaching, worshiping, finances, youth ministry, of course, and of course, counseling ministry. And so our church asked me if I would do some of the training, not all, but some of the training for our counseling church intern. And so we are, what we are doing is we, we're giving her part of our mastermind program, a highly abridged edition of it. And so she has me, I meet with her uh, for 10 weeks, a little over 10 hours uh, in 10 weeks, and we talk about all things counseling. She also is under the supervision of two of our, our mastermind supervisors uh, doing sanctification and case study practicum work, and that's part of her internship. Well, we just met today, and of course, there's other aspects of the internship that I'm not involved with because it is somewhat comprehensive, and it gives her a baptism into counseling. And as we have been talking, it has been super eye-opening for her, and that is so good, whether or not she becomes a counselor as far as the rest of her life is concerned. Who knows? She's only 20 years old, and as I tell people, I was 38 years old before I figured out what I wanted to be when I grew up, and so no pressure for all of you who are graduating, have just graduated high school, just going into college, maybe graduating college, and you're just not sure exactly what you want to do with your life. Well, how could you know? Very few do, and so please don't put pressure on yourself, and she may never go into any type of counseling career as far as a formalized biblical counselor is concerned. There's too much to think about right now as far as that, as far as her gift mix, as far as her future life, marriage, children. There's just so many variables involved, but here's one thing for sure. She's getting her a counseling baptism, and so she will be the beneficiary no matter where she goes and however she ends up. If your church is interested in doing that type of uh, summer internship and a counseling internship, and if we can serve you that way, please uh, let us know. And we do have a program. We can be part of it for sure. And uh, who knows? You may be developing your future counselors uh, at your local church or placing them in God's kingdom somewhere else. And just let us know how or if we can serve you as far as a 10-week internship. It doesn't have to be a summer internship. It can be 10 weeks anytime if you have someone that you want to run through a miniature program that we have, a miniature mastermind program, uh, just to see if they have the gifting. It doesn't have to be a 20-year-old. It could be a 40- or a 50-year-old, and you just want to give them a baptism by fire. Uh, it's, it's really safe, honestly. Well, we would love to serve you that way. So I meet with her uh, each Friday for a little over an hour, and today uh, we did a debrief on a counseling session, and this is what I want this podcast, this is what this podcast is going to be about. 
but uh, she she sits in on counseling sessions, and she sat in on on one where a wife came in with a problem, and I'm not going to share any the details. Actually, I don't have the details of all that's going on in this uh, with this wife and husband and so forth. And of course, that's not the point. But I want to talk about one aspect of what it means to be one flesh in a, in a marriage. And let me say it this way, and then I'll spend the rest of the podcast explaining it. And I'm going to try to give you a replica, a replication of what I shared with her. Here's one of the things that I told her. I cannot imagine a a situation where my wife was struggling with something and I was not part of the process. And so if my wife went to counseling, I mean, I cannot, I, I really can't fathom my wife going to counseling and I not being part of that process. I have no, I'm not opposed to her going to counseling. I'm not saying that. Uh, what I'm opposed to is a husband not being part of the process. This is episode 248, and again, the title of it is A Key Aspect If You Want to Be One Flesh. Someone posted on the forum uh, in the past week, and they asked the question, what does it mean to be one flesh? I'm not going to answer that question in this podcast because that's a comprehensive question, but I want to give you one aspect of it. And the aspect that I'm giving here is something that I teach our mastermind students, that if a wife, or for that matter, if a husband comes to you, it can go either way. If a wife or a husband comes to counseling by themselves with a problem, no matter what that problem is, one of your top three questions, uh, one of your early questions, must be, what does your spouse say about that? What is your spouse's opinion? What is their input? What kind of direction are they giving you? I cannot imagine a situation where my wife would go and receive counseling from anyone. I I can't fathom it. I really can't fathom it. And I would not be part of it. I'm not saying that I necessarily would be sitting in on the counseling session, but I want to serve her. And if if I don't, you could look at it this way. If I don't know how to disciple her, if I don't know how to walk her through the problem that she is struggling with, then I want to be part of the process so I can learn how. And this happens so often in counseling where a spouse is struggling with an issue and the other spouse is not a part of the problem. And this is the thing that I was, uh, the point that I was making to our church's counseling intern, that you want to find out why. Now, there can be all sorts of reasons And you have to explore that because the husband and wife should be together working through their issues together, not as independent agents. Now, I do realize that a spouse could be working, and the only time that the other spouse could meet with a counselor would be during the time that the other spouse was working, and that could prohibit. But that doesn't prohibit you from asking the question. So I'm not saying that 
both spouses should always be sitting in on counseling sessions. What I am saying is both spouses should always be part of the problem solving, whether they're sitting in on it or not. Some of the ways that I pose this to the counseling intern is like, for example, now she's 20, she's not married, doesn't have children, et cetera. But I said, imagine if you had a child, uh, your child was in the fifth grade and your child was struggling with something and you didn't, some sanctification, spiritual, non-organic issue, and you didn't know how to walk the child through that. And so you just send the child off to a to a psychologist. You just send the child off to a biblical counselor. You just send the child off and you're not part of the process. I said, would you do that? And she immediately said, no, I, I would not do that. And I don't think any rational person would. You would want to be part of it. You're either walking them through the problem or you're, you're, you're sitting in, if that's possible so that you can learn or later if you if you're not able to sit in on the actual counseling sessions you're debriefing with the counselor about your fifth grader because you want to be part of the solution and that's that's the idea and a rational loving parent would want to do this because they either want to be walking them through it or learning how to do it another illustration that i gave to her is several years ago many years ago probably 20 now i had a couple come to me from a, another church i was the counseling person at a local church and a couple came to me from from another local church, and they wanted to meet for marriage counseling, which was fine, and we did that on occasion. And one of the things that I tried to do when I met with a, a couple is I tried to get their church involvement, if that was possible. And so again, one of my early questions is, how can we do this? And in this particular situation, I asked this couple, if I could call their pastor and and just get his perspective and input on the thing, and they were very glad about that. Now, I realize you can't do that all the time because there's reasons. I mean, there's reasons that they, if a person leaves church A to go to church B to get counseling, well, then you do have to ask, why aren't you getting that at church A where you belong? rather than getting it at church B. And it could be that, well, that church is, maybe it's an abusive pastor, or maybe there's some other, maybe they don't know how to do it, you know, like the husband that doesn't know how to do it. Well, you do want to discover that because the the leadership of the local church and the congregation should be in sync. They, in a sense, should be one flesh, like the husband and wife, like the Christ, the head of the church, and the body. I mean, there should be some some symmetry there, and they sh- there should be a synchronization there where they're all working together. And if they're not working together, and if this sheep is, is going over to church B to get help, the most common sense thing in the world that you would want to ask is, well, why is that? It doesn't mean that you're going to run them back. It doesn't mean that they the only way that they can get help is from their local church, but you do want to find out why they aren't. Now, the text that I shared with the counseling intern in this case with Church A, Church B situation is uh, Hebrews 13, 17 that said pastors will have to give an account for how they care for their people. And so when this couple came to me for counseling, I was very much aware that 
that their pastor was going to give an account for how uh, he cared for his sheep, and I was going to be tinkering with his sheep, and so I wanted to bring him into the, the into the equation because I wanted to honor him and respect him and and try to be part of the solution with him, but ultimately he's the one that's going to give give an account. And when I called him after the couple said that I could, the pastor said, I, I don't want to know anything about what's going on. Just do what you need to do, and you can send them back. And that was heartbreaking. I, 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 did, I respected the man. I didn't rebuke him. Maybe I should on, on hindsight. I, I don't know. I just didn't seem like I should at that time. And so I don't know. Actually, I don't even know what I said to him, but just, okay, well, thank you, blah, blah. And and I went ahead and met with this couple, but I I went away thinking, you don't even know me. You don't know what I'm going to do. You don't know what I'm going to say. You don't know what's going to happen with this couple. And you're going to give an account for that, and you're not interested? You're really not interested? Seriously, that's not shepherding. I would not want to be a part of any church that that had that kind of apathy where they did not care. I'm not saying that they should give the hands-on care. Uh, maybe a church has people that do that, but I'm saying they should care, and this pastor did not care. Well, it's very similar. So I'm, I'm making an illustration to the husband and wife. So the wife comes to counseling. The husband's not there. One of the questions that you want to ask is, well, what is your husband's perspective? What kind of leadership is he providing? How uh, how is he thinking about this and directing you and and helping you to work through this? And the reason for that is because you are one flesh. That is the most obvious reason you are one flesh. You are a picture, according to Paul in Ephesians 5, of Christ and the church. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And so you want to model that picture. And that's why why it's hard for me to fathom a situation to where if my wife was in some kind of, of, of painful uh, difficulty, whether it was organic or non-organic, I want to be there. I want to be part of it. And she believes the same as I do. In 2017, uh, she believes the same as I do as, as far as being a part of my sanctification. She is my primary disciple maker. Uh, she, she disciples me and brings sanctification care to me and gives me her insight because I need her to do that. And I would... I can't fathom going and receiving help on anything that I'm struggling with and not getting first the assistance and help and direction and guidance and counsel of my wife. And so everything that I said about her receiving counseling, it also applies to me if I were receiving counseling. And one of the other illustrations that I gave to our church counseling intern was in 2017, I went through uh, back surgery, which was not a, a point-in-time deal. It was a long ordeal. In fact, my back problems have been multi-decade long, but uh, since 2000, about 2003, there was about a 14-, a 15-year 14, 14, window 
where it just got worse and worse until finally I was bedridden for the last couple of months before the surgery. And so it was a long ordeal. But during that process, I mean, Lucia and I were married. And during that process, she was very much involved uh, with the decisions that were made and the direction that we took as it pertained to my back. I mean, I did desperate things after a while. I just can't even can't describe to you accurately how painful it was. She went with me to the acupuncturist, which didn't do, which didn't do any good. She went to me, went with me to the thermal scanning thing that we did, and to the dry needling thing that we did, and the chiropractor thing that we did, and the traction thing that that we did. I say we did. I was the one that was laid out, stretched, poked, stuck, pulled. But we did it because I wanted her to be there, and and the times that she couldn't be there, I wanted to debrief with her. I wanted her to be in the know. I wanted I wanted her insight because nobody knows me better than she does, and and so she's a valuable asset in my sanctification and also in my organic issues, my physical problems. And then another illustration that I shared with the counseling intern is when Lucia went through. Uh, several miscarriages early on in our marriage. It reminds me of Hebrews thirteen three. I think that's the I think that's the address where you enter into. It's talking about those who are in prison. You you enter into prison as with them, uh, and there's an idea here of being together and being a unified body. And when my wife went through these miscarriages early on in our marriage, I suffered with her, not like she did, no way, no how, like she did, but uh, I, I carried the burden in the, in the way that I could as, as a man, as her husband. I was not detached. We are one flesh. And then finally another illustration that I shared with her. I asked her this question. I asked her the question about the fifth grader. If she sent her child to counseling, would she be a part or not? And she said she'd be a part as much as she was permitted and much as she could, much as appropriate, et cetera, because she cared. I said, well, what about if you were to have a baby sometime in the future, you get married, you have a child, would you want your husband there to be part of it? All of these illustrations that I gave her communicated the same message. Husband and wife, they are one flesh. Now, the way that we have always taught this in our family when our kids were younger, what I used to do is I would take a a sheet of paper, a, a printing paper, a blank piece of paper, and I would draw a line uh, somewhere down the middle of it, just a, just a stroke of a pencil or a pen. And, and they would look at that line, and I would ask them, and I'd say, what do you see there? Now, we had already done the teaching, and, and so it, this was just a further affirmation of the prior teaching. But when they looked at that line, line on the paper, they would, they would say, well, that's, that's you and mom. That, that, that's dad and mom. You're one, you're not two, you're one flesh. Or we would do the same illustration by holding, I'd hold up my finger, my index finger, and, and say, you know, what is that in the context of talking about our, our marriage? He said, well, that's, they would, they would say, well, that's, that's you and, and mom, you're, you're one flesh. We, we would tell them also that when they would sin against their mother, when they would sin against Lucia, they're sinning against my wife. And 
They learned early on that when you sin against my wife, you're sinning against me again because we are one flesh. And then Paul talked about when you move on through uh, Ephesians 5 and get down to verse 29, it talks about a husband's responsibility to, to nourish and cherish his wife. And so there's a lot of language in that uh, a passage about the husband and wife relationship, not just as it's a picture of Christ in the church, which is the unity. I mean, there's, there's it's not arguable that that they are one flesh. It's, it's what Christ is the head, and and the church is the body, and we we move. We're in sync. We're all we're all one, and the husband and wife is that way. In verse twenty nine, it, it says that you should nourish and cherish your wife. And as I've taught here in other places, that the word nourish means to grow. Uh, you can think about a, a tree uh, that's planted. I, I like Psalm 1, a tree that's planted by water and, and it's growing. And so it's a, a fertile, growing context. And that is a husband's responsibility to nourish, to grow his wife. And then the other aspect is to cherish her, which means to warm, to warm her. So he's to provide a warm environment, not a cold environment, but a warm environment that gives her a, a place to relax and, and to be comfortable and to be at ease. And there's a word cloud that you could develop out of that word cherish. Peace would be one of those. An environment of grace would be one of those. All the things that you need in context for a wife to grow, that is a husband's responsibility. Now, if you bring that into a situation where the wife is is struggling with something, whether it's in the marriage or, or outside of the marriage, Marriage, but the wife is struggling in a sanctification, non-organic problem, or organic for that matter, as I described with Lucia having miscarriages or me having back surgery, regardless, uh, but in this case of, of cherishing and, and nourishing, the husband wants to be part of that process because he has a mandate from God to, to help her to, to grow. And if he doesn't know how to disciple her and he doesn't know what kind of input to bring to that marriage, to, to give in that particular situation, then he needs to, his initiative, his mandate then is to learn how. He, he wants to. Uh, so uh, be trained. He, he wants to get with the counselor. He wants to get with his wife. He wants to debrief. And that is something that we have done all of our marriage. There have been, I, I don't, hundreds of meetings that Lucia has gone to. You know, she just went this week and met with uh, two of her girlfriends, and she comes back, and we talk about it. We debrief. How did it go? You know, how, how are you processing? How can I serve you? It, it's not a, a tattletale session or a gossip fest. That's not, that's not the point at all. It, it's caring about her, wanting to know. I mean, she's struggling with anything, and did, did anything come up that, that we can talk about and, and work through? And then the same thing happens when I go to meetings, and I've had hundreds of meetings as well. And Lucia has been an amazing sounding board. 
you know, to those meetings. Now, not we debrief virtually every time. I mean, I'm sure there's one or two that we've missed, but it's such a habit. It's not even something that we we think about. It's just how did it go? What did you learn? What did uh, what is God doing in your heart? Are you struggling in any way? Those types of questions. And again, they go both ways as we complement and supplement each other, trying to care for each other. And so the point that I make to our mastermind students when you're counseling, if you're meeting with a woman or if you're meeting with a guy and they're struggling with whatever it is that they bring to the table. The question, one of the questions that you want to ask is, well, what does your spouse have to do? Uh, uh, what does your spouse have to say about that? What is their opinion? What is their perspective? And I've asked that question so many times, and the, and the answers, the responses are are all over the map. And you have to be careful about how you ask that question because. Sometimes uh, it can just, like, like for a wife, for example, it can just depress her. It can just be so discouraging because so many times she has said, well, he doesn't care. So many times it would be some version of like what that pastor said. I don't want to know about what's going on. Just fix them and, and send them back to the local church. And I've heard some version of that from wives where they would say, well, I mean, my husband is not interested. And that's basically the message that that pastor gave with me. He gave to me. He, he wasn't interested in what was going on in this couple. Uh, and sometimes husbands can be that way. So you want to be careful about how you ask the question, but you want to know. And part of why you want to know is that you want to honor the husband. You don't want to become the head. You don't want to become the leader of, of the marriage. And so you, you want to try to level up, level up as much as you can, level up that marriage. And you won't know if it's out of kilter or if it's unlevel. You won't know that without asking the question. And then another reason that you want to do this is, let's say, for example, the husband is getting ready to make a decision. He's going to move. Uh, he's going to take a job in Bozeman, Montana. We got some. We have a supporting member in in Bozeman, and we're going to Bozeman. Uh, going to be landing in Bozeman anyway in August, Lord willing. We have a a meeting in Idaho that we'll be doing, and and we'll be going to Bozeman. And so let, let's suppose that this man's going to take a job in Bozeman and. And so he comes to you, and he's working through decision-making, biblical decision-making, and he lays it out before you and says, what do you think? One of the most obvious questions in the world is, uh, well, what does your wife think? Because this decision, obviously, is going to impact her, impact their family, impact their local church. What does your wife think? What does your pastor think? But in the context of this podcast, what does your wife think? You, you want to bring them in. You, you, you want to make sure that you honor the wife in this 
situation. You want to make sure that he's not making a decision in a vacuum, that he is honoring his wife, not just you as a counselor, which you do want to do, honor her, but you want to make sure he is. And so when a a spouse comes to a counseling session, and that is really the point of this podcast, and this was the point that I was making to our counseling intern. When a spouse comes to a counseling session by themselves, which is appropriate, can be appropriate, I'm not saying it's wrong, but it's a spouse. They are one flesh. And so you need to you need to expand, you need to flesh out Uh, the state of this marriage. And so you want to know how the other spouse is helping and leading and directing and inputting and giving guidance and walking alongside of. And in many cases, you'll find that that is not the case. And of course, that will set the tone for the kind of counseling that you're going to give. This is episode 248. The title of it is A Key Aspect. If you want to be one flesh, this is just one key aspect. It's not answering the question that this person on our forum was asking, what does it mean to be one flesh? There are so many aspects of that, but this is just one. And husbands and wives should be working together on the issues that come into their marriage. There's an article, I have it embedded here in these show notes, episode 248, that there are no hidden or her problems in marriage, and that's really the big idea. There aren't any his that well. That's just his problem, and I've heard I've heard women, I've heard wives say that that's just his problem. Well, maybe one A, but one B is yours too. Because you can't dissect the one flesh like that and pretend that you're not one flesh, at least in this aspect. And so if you have, if you want to talk about this, I would love for you to come to our free community forums. They're here for you, and, and they're provided for you by the folks who generously support this ministry. And if we can serve you, if you want to talk about this, please let us know. It'd be our pleasure to do so. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.